Another edition of Banker with a Beer presented by Northwestern Bank. I'm Scott. Across the way, as always, is Jerry. Jerry, how's it going? Great day-to-day, Scott. We're at the end of summer. We're on the edge of October fast season, but not quite there yet. So we're, we're, we're almost there, but we have a great beverage and a great guest to enjoy it with today. Well, I'm coming uh, into this podcast a uh, day removed from being stung on my right arm by a beast. My right arm is all swollen. You know what's going to help out with that? A tasty beverage. So why don't you introduce us to the beverage and then we'll bring on the guest. Well, at the request of our guest, we're having an amber lager today and we haven't had many ambers, so I'm excited about having this one and I'm trying one that I've never had before. So this is called Amber Springs or the uh, Abita, I guess, or Abita is uh, Amber Lager, and it's from, I'll say, Abita Springs, Louisiana. So I will open the beer up in a moment. But we also have a great guest, and we have Susan Becker. She's the executive director of Feed My People, uh, a wonderful organization in our community that does fantastic things. And she likes good beer. So we have a great combination, a great guest with a great beverage. So uh, I'll open the beer and you can bring Suzanne on board. That sounds good. And uh, I know you've been with Feed My People for a while, but fairly new to the, the current position. What, why don't you tell us a little bit about what led you to Feed My People and uh, how long overall you've been there? You know, I always say you never know where your path is going to go. Um, and so uh, I worked for many years. Um, and I'm, I'm a proud Blue Gold, graduated from UWC, moved to Twin Cities for about 10 years and came back, worked in business for many years. My company got purchased. So I um, uh, went to work for a food pantry in town just just for something different, knew almost nothing about this world. Um, and was recruited then to bring some of my skills to feed my people. So I've been there just about 11 years. I'm going into my second year as the uh, executive director. So, What has been some of the most fulfilling parts of what you've done in the, the decade? Oh, you know, we have such a, a – we could just talk about that all day. Um, we have such an amazing community that really embraces, um, you know, quality of life for all. And I'm just every day I'm amazed by the people who go out of their way, who work, who are passionate about um, improving life. And that includes my amazing staff, uh, people that just are so committed. And then, of course, it's just it's just a wonderful thing to be able to feel like together as a team, as a community, we're making a difference for folks. So even on a tough day and I'm driving home, I always feel like, you know, we hopefully made a difference today. So Scott and Suzanne. All right, beverage has been poured, so here we go. Bottoms up. And a very refreshing beverage on a uh, a warm day. Not bad at all. Kind of feels like fall, doesn't it? It does. And and Jerry knows, by the way, it's already a winner in my book, because whenever, as long as we have something that, one, has alcohol, and two, is not an IPA, (laughs) I'm always very happy uh, with. I will stomach the IPAs, you know, to all past and future guests but please please something like this (laughs) (laughs) excellent well let's move on to our conversation and first of all suzanne i mean for those listening to the the show who maybe don't feed my people food bank i mean do you make deposits and withdrawals and cash (laughs) i mean what's a food bank uh, yeah, we're we're the distribution center. We are a part of Feeding America. There's a Feeding America food bank in every county in the United States. Um, we are able to. We have a 45,000 square foot uh, warehouse. 
Um, so we are able to receive truckloads of food, rescue food, um, all different kinds of, of sources. And then we're able to turn around and get that food out in the quantities that our partners can distribute. Sometimes that's directly that we do that out of our warehouse, but most often it's food pantries, school programs, meal sites, shelters, those kinds of things. So we're the distribution area, and we serve 14 counties um, in West Central Wisconsin. Now, historically, you simply just distributed food, but more recently, you're actually hosting some events at your site. Why that transition? Um, Still, our partners do far and away most of the distribution, but we are working very hard to serve um, some populations that that may get missed, um, seniors, um, working families, teenagers, those who are unhoused. Um, and we found that using, uh, we call mobile pop-up pantries, um, we also have a weekend kids meal program, a lot of youth programs, is a way for us to um, to get into those gaps for folks um, until we can maybe get a permanent partnership somewhere. Uh, also helps us stay in touch with folks and really understand um, where the needs are, where we need to improve, what kind of food we need to make sure that we source. Um, it's <clears throat> it's a tool and it's also just a way to keep us connected. And we're able to really quickly during the pandemic, we were able to, when schools shut down the very next week, we were able to do a mobile distribution down at Lakeshore School in the parking lot, uh, bring our reefer truck in, um, and distribute right out of the truck for folks. So we're able to to pivot very quickly when there's a need. I know uh, the bank in general and myself uh, personally have been honored and humbled to be able to help out with some of these food pantries, the pop-up ones. And it, it's amazing. I mean, uh, before we even begin, there might be 50, 80, 100 cars in line queued up waiting for the distribution to begin. I mean, it's if you ever are wondering, is there a need for food in this community, uh, just uh, attend one of these pop-up uh, pantries and you will be amazed of, of just the food. And, and, and the people are so grateful and it just it's, it's a wonderful service, but it's also just uh, for those of us who might be a little bit more isolated about the poverty that does exist in our community, this brings it right to the forefront. And, and we've recently started a, a, a mobile distribution out of the warehouse on Monday evenings. And we did that because evening um, resources are, are limited, or if at all. And if you're a working family, we know there's a lot of working families right now that are, you know what, they're on the, they're on the cusp. And, and if we're able to keep them out of crisis mode, um, that's, that's good for all of us. And so we didn't know for sure how it would go, but it's every other Monday. And we're serving about 150 households, many people came straight from work, kids in their backseat um, that just need a little bit of extra help. And so the faces of those that are at risk for hunger, um, they look just like you and I, you know, that, and, and that's something that not everybody understands, um, but it's true. And by the way, we were grateful to have you and, and, and your whole crew at the, at the Papa Pantry. When you ask what inspires me, those, that's, that's good community support. I think that leads into kind of the question I was going to have is is who can benefit from the food uh, pantry? I know having heard uh, conversations you've had in the past and other people uh, at the uh, food pantry, as you just said, some people that, these people have jobs. They might they have a roof over their head. There's probably a lot of people in the area that could benefit, but don't think, well, I'm not that hard off. I can't, yeah, they don't want to help me. So who does this benefit? Who can benefit from the food bank, the food pantry? Well, 
anybody who's in need of some extra groceries, anybody that this would um, give a helping hand to is welcome to come. We do not ask for income requirements. Um, we believe that it's hard to come to a food, food pantry. It's hard to come to a distribution. And so more often, I'm worried about the people who just aren't coming for those reasons. Um, and keep in mind, the, the vast majority of the food we have is rescued food. This isn't, this isn't government-funded food or anything like that. It's rescued food that would maybe go into a landfill otherwise. So if you need the food, you need to come. Give us a call. If you're somewhere in our 14 counties and you're not sure where to go, just give us a call and we'll connect you. But by rescued food, this is still, you know, Perfectly good right. food, yes. And, you know, so this isn't like food that that is beyond its expiration date or anything like that. Though no, it's all, no, no, no. It's no. correct. Yeah. And so, what is, from your perspective, Suzanne, kind of what's the status of food security in Western Wisconsin? I mean, you probably more so than anybody is an expert on kind of where we're at now and what the trends are. <laughs> You know, and when we guess trends over the last few years, we, we, we get it wrong most often. Right. Um, I think um, I think people are looking, again, we're trying to get specific populations. We're trying to make sure that our kids have what they need when they go back to school and that seniors have quality of life. And, um, you know, we understand that unhoused folks, I can't hand somebody like that a box of mac and cheese. You know, we, we need to have appropriate food. And... And one thing I'm very excited about is, you know, pre-pandemic, we were trying to understand the relationship of health to your diet. I mean, I think we all like that, right? I mean, I'm forever saying we need to have a better diet. Um, but that's hard when you're low income. Fresh fruits and vegetables are, are expensive. Meat's expensive. And so with the pandemic, though, that all had to be put on hold because we had to pack boxes and all of that. We're getting back to that, trying to weave health into what we do, um, trying to raise the nutritional value of our warehouse. And that really means fresh produce. And um, traditionally... We get that produce. We, this is a wonderful program. We work with other food banks um, and get loads that we split. Um, they come from California or Texas and whatever. But that's expensive because we do have to do transportation. And sometimes the food, you know, it's been around for a while. And it's not great by the time it gets to someone's table. So we've just started a farm to food bank program where we're working with regional and local farmers and suppliers and it's been fantastic it's we were able to use a little bit of grant money to actually go out to some orchards and farms and say we'll buy your apples you know we'll we'll we'll, we'll now, we're not just asking for all donations. We want to make this good for you, too. Um, and then in return, you know, they're giving us what they have left at the end of the year and their seconds. And the potato farmer is going to plant a winter crop for us. And um, wow, what a blessing. You know, keeps keeps dollars in our local economy, shortens that supply chain, goes from the field to the food bank. Um, and ultimately, of course, is helping folks get fresh a variety of fresh produce. Super excited about that program. So where do you get your funding from? I mean, is, is, this, is this a government program? Are there donors? Um, you know, I know some of the background, but I'm, I'm asking more of a rhetorical question because, I mean, people wonder, where does this food come from? You've got bills to pay. You've got lights, heat, everything else. Kind of basically, how does, how does the system work? Community donations. We write, you know, we write a lot of grants. Uh, businesses, um, uh, uh, individuals. Um, we have a we have a wonderful um, group of we have a wonderful community, and you know, we continue to try to get out and tell our story and and tell the story of those facing food insecurity. And the community's always always been there for us. So, by far and away, that's where our funding comes from. Um, we're not government funded, um, but we do get quite a, quite a few grants, though, that, and that's a very important part, too. Now, you would mentioned about, you know, 
families coming and often children involved. And I know through the school year, the school systems have an incredible, important link to play in making sure the children get fed, which is great during the school year. Then you've got the summer. What does the food bank do? Because I know you run programs to help meet the needs of these children and these young families during the summer months. How does that work out? Yeah, that's, you know, it's a challenge because we don't know where those kids are. We're very excited. This summer we worked, uh, we kind of piloted Why on the Fly, it was called, with the YMCA. And uh, we provided the food piece and they were going out to different areas to provide sort of a recreation piece um, with, uh, with the kids. Um, we do a lot of these pop-up mobile programs, um, pantries. We did one at Lakeshore School, uh, not Lakeshore, um, Parkview Elementary in Chippewa, we do that. We do one out of the food bank. We try, we try to do that. We try to work whenever kids are on vacation. We try to schedule something in a school parking lot because it's a safe space. Um, it, that, we do all those things, but of course, that's a challenge because we can't. We don't always know where those kids are. So, speaking of of kids, and, and I do want to mention this with all of the various things you've mentioned, it takes a lot of people to do it. So. How do people volunteer? I want to jump right to that. How do people volunteer? I know you get a lot of uh, student groups, a lot of young volunteers, but also people in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s on up that volunteer. Yeah, it's such an important part of what we do. Um, and since the pandemic, the volunteers were a little little slow to come back, and I think that's been for a lot of nonprofits. But uh, we have volunteers who do just about everything. They drive our trucks. They help distribute, like, Jerry's crew did. Um, we have that sit in our front office. We have board members. We're always looking for good, strong board members. Um, they pack food. We have all kinds of volunteers. We have somebody who comes in and, and cleans, does the sweeper thing every week, you know. And, and honestly, they're retired folks. They're, they're families, a lot of youth groups um, across the board. And we do invite anybody who wants to volunteer. It's a wonderful experience. And, and honestly, working at one of our mobile distributions is really a meaning, meaningful experience. So they just need to give us a call. We'll, we'll connect you up with something that works. And I'm sure there, there's been stories, too, of people that have maybe came to you initially in need of uh, donations, and they've turned around. They've sort of paid it back by little elbow grease, haven't they? You know, that's true. That happens more often than you think. It really does. Uh, people um, pe- people don't want to have to come for help, right? And they, and they want to pay it forward. We really, the gratitude is amazing. And it just inspires me every day how people are so grateful and really do want to pay it forward. So that, ha- that happens often, right? Well, what would you say to somebody, uh, they're listening to this podcast and they're, they're sort of, again, on that, that edge, if you will, all right? The, the, you know, they're not necessarily swimming in debt or anything like that, but they're a family of four or five, and they're, they're kind of at that level there. What would you say to them? Because they're just hesitant. They could benefit from getting a little extra help, but they're just hesitant. It's what we are, for good, mm-hmm. better, or worse, we, we kind of want to do it ourselves. The old, you know, grab yourself by the bootstrap sort of thing. What would you say to them? Because you deal with it all the time. Some people feel as though I have failed if I have to go. What do you tell those people? You know, I think throughout our lifetime, most of us are going to need help in some way. Maybe not this way, but in some way. And I would just invite people to come to one of our distributions or give us a call. We don't, we preach this every day that we need to treat everybody with respect. Everybody gets treated with respect. We, it's, we, this is easy. You come, you come get what you need. Um, 
if it elevates your your life, if it helps you a little bit, um, pay it forward someday. Or if you can't, you can't, and that's okay too. So I, I would say, and if you're not sure, just give us a call. I got a lot of good folks who will help you through it. And conversely, I know you're always looking for donations monetarily and food for that. If somebody says, "Hey, I'm right now, I'm high on the hog," here's your opportunity to. Yeah, karma is a beautiful thing, isn't it? <laughs> um, of course, we're always we always need donations. We are able because because we're a food bank and we work with Feeding America. We're able to stretch um, food dollars mm-hmm. and and purchase a lot more food or be able to bring in a lot more food. One dollar. And I was going to say that's a, a, more. That's a mm-hmm. big thing. I know you started to hear that a lot more from food banks and food pantries maybe ten fifteen years ago. Hey, that food drive you're doing is nice. But, you know, for every one box of X, Y, Z you're buying, we can buy 10 times more with money. Right. Mm-hmm. And, of course, with inflation, that's not as good a number as it used to be. That stretching. But we definitely, <laughs> the, the dollars, we can stretch those dollars. And I don't discourage people from a food drive. Sometimes that's a great visual with youth or, um, you know, in an organization. Um, but truly, the, the dollars is, is, makes the biggest impact. So, Suzanne, we have to give you a chance to drink the beer a little bit. We've been pelting you with questions <laughs> and going great. on and on. So. Well, well, she does that. I think it's a good opportunity. We'll let you drink the beer here. She, she mentioned, Jerry, your group has been there. What kind of experience was it for Northwestern Bank? Oh, it's great. We, we, the, the bank has been involved with Feed My People for many years. We sponsor mm-hmm. one of their trucks and uh, have been supporting them and uh, their expansion projects. I remember the first time, my first experience with Feed My People was must have been 20 years ago, and it used to, they were originally in a Quonset hut behind Banbury Place. <laughs> and this had, uh, I think at the peak, it probably had, the roof height might have been about eight feet, and then it kind of sloped off on both sides. And there was, I think, uh, an aisle down the middle that was with uh, old pallets and you take you run the and the food was on the side and i mean it's like this was talk about low overhead this was literally yeah. low overhead and to see where it was then i'm guessing 20 some years ago to where it's evolved to today is amazing it's a a beautiful facility 50,000 i think roughly square foot with the latest uh, latest expansion we can we'll talk about that in a moment um, and then just the logistics involved a lot of the food comes out of uh, the twin cities um, we're from the St. Paul Food Bank. I mean, that's like a regional food bank, and it's shipped here. And then what Suzanne and her crew and her volunteers do is then basically ship this food out to most of western Wisconsin. It's not just like the Feed My People isn't just Chippewa Valley. I think they go up all the way up probably to Minong, and I don't know how far, mm-hmm. how far south you go. But, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a big geographic area that's being served. And um, to see... What happens here? And then, you know, on my own basis, seeing a pop-up pantry go, I mean, the energy that we have, and, and you see the folks, and I mean, very grateful, very gratifying. And then what we try to do when they stop in is is you have you create kind of a package for them uh, with a balanced uh, variety of items. So you can have fruits and vegetables. You can have, um, you know, uh, Beans, they could have cereal, they can have, you know, different, whatever is available. There isn't, they can't necessarily, there's not a, necessarily a checkoff list, but what is have is shared and hopefully in a balanced portion. And uh, everyone who comes there leaves with something. Right, right. And, um, you know, we do have 14 counties and outside of the Chippewa Valley, it's it's extremely rural. And, and sometimes those folks have, um, you, you know, their grocery store might be a, a, a 
co-op on the edge of town, a gas station on the edge of town, and they just, um, you know, transportation issues. There's just all kinds of things, and so it's important that we get out there. It's important that we get in those gaps for those folks. And I don't think I really understood rural until I. I always tell the story. I stood in downtown Fairchild and. You know, the school had closed, the grocery store was closed, the hardware store was closed. I was really annoyed because I couldn't get service on my phone, you know. <laughs> and and yet those people, they live in Fairchild. They're very proud of it. And, and um, you know, we needed to be there for them, and, and, and we are. So rural is very important for us. On the, the positive side, and not that that's not positive, but I'm talking a little bit about your expansion. You just finished an expansion not too long ago, probably the second or third one that I think I've been involved. First, purchasing of the new, well, not so much new, but the building on the west side of town, and then expansions from it. I mean, back in the, I'll call it the Banbury days, I think they had a refrigerator and like a... a, a <laughs> like a freezer, one of the freezers you have down in your basement, that that was kind of like the freezer section. Well, now they have a whole uh, room that is now climate controlled and you have pallets and forklifts. And I mean, it, it's quite a modern op operation. How has the new expansion impacted your operation? Um, well, right before COVID, we did a, we we doubled the size of the warehouse. And so that was a very significant expansion. We added a cooler, added a freezer, I mean, we're talking about big, mm -hmm. big coolers and freezers. I don't know what we would have done in the pandemic without it. I, I, there wasn't a day that went by that we didn't think, oh, my gosh, thank goodness. Um, and then post-pandemic, we added another 3,600 square feet off um, one side of our building, and that's, we call it the Hunger Action Center. And that's, uh, it gives us space to, we have garage door and we can distribute right out of there, but it also gives us space to um, partner uh, with the community. We know, you know, we always say we want to um, provide that resource, that food today to keep people out of crisis. But we also want to partner and provide programming um, to help people perhaps not be, have to be in our line down the road. And that's important, too. And this gives us space for that. Um, we just finished uh, United Way had a had some grant money where they did some digital equity um, programming. And we were able to basically they provide Internet, uh, tablets, phones for if you qualified. And we were able to talk to our folks um, that were waiting for food and say, is this something you need? If so, they're inside, come on in and we'll let you talk. We, we don't, we didn't do it, but we're the connector. And, you know, we, we have the, we feel like we have the responsibility to do that. We're going to work with energy assistance coming up as now it falls coming and provide that, make sure folks know that resource, you know, WIC, some of those things. So part of the space is meant for that, to give us the ability to partner and program so that we want to be strong community partners. We want to be strong members of this community, and we think that's that's the way to do it. I know one a term that's, that you use that I've kind of uh, incorporated into my uh, vocabulary is food security or food insecurity. That's kind of how you, you measure things. And I, I think there may be those out here who think, well, geez, in this time of low unemployment, you know, can't just get have get a job and whatever and, and I think the what I understand is that the reality is many of the folks who are coming have a job you know it's a, but they just doesn't they, they run out of month before they or run out of food before they run out of the month before they get paid and so it's part of that food insecurity where yes they may be working but you know they just don't have enough to make it go and sometimes this you know this bag of food or whatever is kind of the difference between making it from you know the 28th of the month to the end of the month as opposed to saying you know 
all right, kids, this you know we're just we're just really short this month. We don't have anything for you. Yeah, there's you know, think of the challenges now. I say to my husband all the time, thank goodness our kids are grown because daycare is so expensive, you know. And can you imagine if you're working and you got to pay daycare? That's you know you got to put gas in your car. There's expenses are high right now, and food is the thing that we can do. And if we're able to provide some of that food, they can take those dollars. Their limited budgets and put them someplace else, help them pay the daycare, help them pay the health insurance, help them, you know, put gas in their car, help them stay in the workforce. So, uh, you know, it's the piece we can do. And so, you know, that's what we do. What do you see the future holding up? I mean, I know you, you came out of the pandemic where you were, we and everyone else was doing things on the fly and did some amazing things with, with some limited resources and were very creative. But it's unfortunate, but your organization just seems to need to get bigger all the time. Do you see that changing? Um, you know, I just I've learned not to predict the future, right? With what's happened, I I think, I think that there's a lot of issues that create food insecurity, um, and many of that's out of our control. I think that we're always going to have this issue. We would like to have. We hope to bring it down. We also hope to to uh, like I said, increase appropriate food for different populations, you know, weave in health, um, make sure that kids have kid-friendly food and, and seniors have food that, that's appropriate for them, you know, low salt or whatever, whatever that their diets require. If you're diabetic, you know, can you imagine being diabetic and low income? I mean, <laughs> you, you know, food is a direct effect on your condition and yet it's so expensive. So we, we believe those things will always be here. We hope... Um, Again, we hope by this partnership, this Hunger Action Center, that we're able to um, partner to to connect them with other resources so that maybe that will help. Do people then who come to the food bank, do they have the ability, you know, if they do have, they are, di- you mentioned, kind of say, they are diabetic, if uh, they have some sort of special needs? And I, I know it's not, you aren't a... You aren't a grocery store, so you don't have a, a unlimited amount of items, but can you work with someone for a little bit? Because obviously giving some a diabetic um, noodles probably isn't a really good match. Um, I wish I could say yes. That's very expensive um, to do. What we've just started, but we're, we're trying to move that way. And the, the fresh produce is really the thing that we think we can do today um, with the, working with the farmers and so forth, because fresh produce you know, crosses all the boundaries of, of health usually. I mean, that's usually something. Um, we have started, we, we survey our guests every couple months and we say, what are your biggest needs? And, you know, if we found out that half the people in our lines were diabetic, uh, we would know that's where we need to focus our resources. Um, you know, so we're, we're working towards that. Um, that's just expensive and that's not usually donated food. So that's something that we would need funding for. So for those of our listeners who've never been in the food bank, what sort of items are donated? So if you were to look through the shelves of the warehouse, what would you primarily see? You know, anything and everything. (laughs) We purchase a certain amount of our food so that we always have certain things. We always want to have pasta and sauce and soup and vegetables and and those kinds of things. Um, Again, big thing on fresh produce. We're trying to work on having more meat items and beans and some of those things. Um, The actual donated things that come via the um, food banking network really can be anything. It's, you know, these are, these are products that maybe can't get to market on time, but they still have shelf life. These are things that are test marketed. We find that all the time. They test market something and it doesn't go so good. So we get it. Um, we just got this amazing donation of cheese out of um, Western Wisconsin and Eastern Wisconsin. And um, 
they, they just overdid it. You know, they, they overdid it, and then cheese has a shelf life. So um, going to be a wonderful thing for our folks. Wonderful. So it, 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 it's a little of everything. <laughs> Oh, Jerry, go ahead. Well, and I, I know one thing like, like like the bank does to kind of supplement, too. And so every year uh, the bank usually will purchase one of the animals at the at the fair. And uh, so what's been our tradition now is that we'll have it processed and then donate it to the food bank. And it's just our way of saying, well, we know it's an, it's a, an area of need in our community. It'll always be there. And I like to think that there's a bit of gratitude or, and 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 support for you know how, having people have fresh meat that is top of the line. It, you know, <laughs> it is meat is such a hard thing, such a hard thing because it's so expensive and isn't usually donated. Yes, and we we got that in not too long ago. I think it came in, you know, pounds of hamburger and some other things, and that's a wonder wonderful thing. So absolutely, thank you for that. Before we let you go, what do you like to do when you're away from the office? Uh, I love to travel. I have two grown daughters. One lives in D.C. and one lives in Madison, so I love to go see them. Um, you know, love to be outside, bike and hike and all of that. We have such a beautiful community. It's wonderful to be outside. Well, thank you for listening to Scott and I uh, talk with Suzanne over a beer today. If you like what you've heard, please give Bank with a Beer a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends about us and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Northwestern Bank website, or wherever you listen to your podcast from. Northwestern Bank, or Northwestern Bank with the beer is sponsored by Northwestern Bank, building stronger communities where people matter.